You're listening to an Imagine More podcast. The presentation you're about to hear was recorded as part of the 2021 Get That Good Life Conference. Hi, my name is Gus. It's me. <laughs> I, I am here to interview Sue Robertson. Sue is in New Zealand. She's here worked with people with disability for over 30 years and so believes in inclusion and families and leaderships. And so his daughter names Katie. Today, Sue will as how Katie get her on home and her protection is called repairing for when we throw our push I I hope you enjoy listening to Sue. Welcome, Sue. It's so lovely to have you here all the way from New Zealand, as Gus said. And we're just going to have a bit of a chat. So I'm really excited about this session. I think people will learn a lot from Katie's journey around moving into her own home and how you're preparing for when you fall off your perch. So (laughs) I thought maybe we could start with you just sharing a bit about, you know, take us back to those early years of Katie when she was young and, of course, when you were younger. Thanks, Jen. And I'm really hoping that Katie makes her first conference presentation sometime in the next hour or at least an appearance because we're in lockdown here in New Zealand and we're all working out of the same house. Neil and I sold our house. We had nowhere to live. And so we've had to come back and ask Katie if we can live in her house, which she has very generously shared. The early years, well, look, first of all, you're a captured audience, Australia. So I thought I'd start with a few words of wisdom for you. And, and there's a recurring theme throughout this uh, interview with Jan, and that's this. I had a plan. My life has never gone according to the plan, and that's okay. And a, and a friend of mine says she'd heard someone say uh, this saying, look, everything I do today will take me somewhere tomorrow. And our family has a, a saying which is sort of slightly less wise, and it's this, when shit turns to custard. And if I've learned anything from this journey called life, it's really essential that to know where you're going, you must know where you've come from and what you don't ever want to go back to again. So where did we come from? And I just where have the years gone? And the picture on the left is one of the last of our institutions to be closed in New Zealand. And at the time when Katie was diagnosed 30 odd years ago, the institutions were closing. And uh, at the same time, all the special preschool centres were closing. And the New Zealand Education Act uh, in 1989 was three years into the future. So I was a mum who had two beautiful children, one of whom had the right to an education, 
And it wasn't until Katie was three that she had the right, the legal right to an education. And so my early years of parenting were really fighting for Katie's rights. And I learned very early on that I couldn't do that on my own, that it was always, Jan, going to take a team and a networking approach to keep focused on the goal. And I'd also say this, and it's only, uh, you know, some thinking that's come to me recently, that Katie was so lucky to be born into this period of disability history. She really was, because we had some choices. And and I look at the ant, and for me, it represents the fragility of what it takes for some people to be part of their community. And it shows strength of character, which Katie has in Spain. Fast forward 35 years, and it's 2021 now, and I have to admit, some of those years are a blur because it's taken more time than I could ever have imagined to put plans in place to secure Katie's future. And if I had any words of wisdom to share to parents out there, the beginning of their journey, look, keep your remnants, keep your entry ticket, keep your photos, keep your videos, because your story might become a blur and your family's story is as important as anyone else's to tell. We'll want to hear your stories like you're hearing our family story and Katie's story here today. And I have to say it's been harder than I thought and time's gone faster than I imagined. So I talk a lot about falling off my perch. I would say there's not a moment of my day in the last 20-odd years where I haven't thought, Lordy, what? would life be like if I was not around for Katie? It's on my mind. So falling off the perch is a euphemism for dying. And, you know, it's around planning for the time when I'm no longer around. And I, like many families, generously shared our journey at seminars and in multiple ways. And we had a great starting point way back in those 80s when those institutions closed. And we talked about inclusion. We talked about what that meant. We fought for it. We believed in inclusive communities. And where we've ended up is not what we'd imagined. It's better than that. Not everything's turned out as we planned, but that's okay. And the other bit of learning we did on this journey is that the rest of the family, it wasn't all about me. There was a time when I thought it was, but actually the rest of the family are on this journey too. And their stories changed as they went through their teens, their 20s, and now they're into their 30s. And how they lived with their sister and experienced all of that changed with each decade. But it's only with insight that I realized uh, how lucky they are and they know how lucky they were. So what did we do? We got on with life. Living with autism didn't create the barriers because those were created by the systems, by policies, by processes and practices that actually still do create the complexities, the inequities and energy sapping experiences that make life unnecessarily complicated, especially those living with complex disorders. And by that, I mean for the person and their family. And so 
we emerged from some very challenging middle years and at uh, some point we stopped focusing on Katie's autism and we started focusing on her gifts and her skills and her positive attributes and we were always looking for more and for better. And we always had a strong agenda of what that could look like. We just called it ordinary. But it actually wasn't 20 years later that we realised Katie had her own agenda. <laughs> Fancy that. And um, so she's now an adult making her own choices. She lives in her own home. She pays rent. She hires her own staff. She's an astute judge of character and who's right for her. And Katie's someone who has very little language with which to speak. So you might ask, well, how does she hire her staff? Well, they've got to be the right kind of person. I do all the back screening and all those checking and the first interviews. And then Katie does the second interview if they get that far. And her first criteria is, She'll scan them up and down like an X-ray machine, and if they're not okay, they don't get through the front door. So that's that. And then if they get into the sunroom and she looks at them and walks away, there's something about them that's not right. And then she will, and I know what she's up to, she'll walk around behind the back of your neck and give them the sniff test. Go home with your partners and do this tonight. I don't know. But there's something about the back of your neck that determines if you're a good chalk or not. And then if you pass the sniff test, then she might take you to her bedroom, which is really like you're almost hired. She's a really astute judge of character. And the other thing is she's in control of her own home, like who comes, when they come, what they're there for, and when they go. Uh, and and she's in charge of training her own staff. She, she's really assertive. And by great judge of character, Jen, I have to say this, I thought she was until it dawned on me a few years ago that actually it really comes down to this. You are all listening to this either marshmallows or you're not marshmallows. Marshmallows are people who will do your will and bidding. And therefore, you've got to be slightly soft and fluffy inside. And she can tell at a glance if you are a marshmallow or not. And if you're a marshmallow, you're hired. The other things I want to tell you about Katie is she's got a great sense of humour. She's a really caring neighbour. She's an artist, photographer. She's a businesswoman. And she's been assertive all the way through. Katie knows what she likes and what she doesn't like. And this is the great thing about Kate. She didn't like music therapy. She didn't like Special Olympics. She will never, ever go on an aeroplane ever again. She won't even go to the airport to collect visitors. She doesn't like respite services. She didn't like holiday programs. She didn't like riding therapy. Uh, she threw her first computer across the table. She didn't like a supermarket. She didn't like eating at the family table unless the light was turned out. Um the government-funded communication centre couldn't assess her because she was too difficult, apparently. And so she didn't like so many special things that we had no choice but to keep her in the ordinary spaces and places. We had to learn really carefully to what Katie was telling us. One of Kate's gifts is that she has a photographic memory for calendars and dates. She knows 
which date goes with which day. Uh, I don't know, for years and years and years. And that amazing skill has really supported her to make some choices and to have control over a good life on her terms. I loved hearing about how you observed where Katie's interests were and, and what sort of lights her up. And your mention of the battles that you've had, I'm just curious to know a bit more about where Katie went to school and found her education and continues her learning today. Yeah, well, she went to the same places as her older sister. So um, early childhood special education services uh, was newly minted when she was about three. And they invested in inclusion, and Katie really benefited from that movement. I have to say, a lot of what Katie has learned has been self-taught as an adult, but the foundation of what she's built on was put down in inclusive education, no matter how hard that was for her and for us to keep her there. We didn't have the money to go chasing all the treatments that have proven to be ineffective or not evidence-based and sometimes a sham. And Katie would have rejected being a participant anyway in many interesting ways and sometimes not so interesting ways about what she was um, not prepared to do. So one of her first bits of learning, which was around, uh, you know, we were hopeful that she would have speech to talk with we did music therapy at home and we teamed up with three other families and a music therapist would come into the house and she'd sit down and she'd go, hello, Katie, hello, Katie, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and plonk away on the piano. And um, it wasn't long before the therapist came in and sat at the piano and there was a ha-funk, ha-funk, and we opened up the lid of the piano. <laughs> And Katie had stuffed all her soft toys down the keys. And all right, I I figured, I figured that, <laughs> that, that Kate wasn't into music therapy. Um, for those who are so young, they don't know what these are. They are they're, um, videos, the precursor to DVDs. And they are videos of Katie having done sensory integration treatment years and years ago with an OT who's the only professional person who has stayed with Katie over a 30-year journey and become my friend. Um, Anne and I co-presented the first parent professional partnership a couple uh, decades ago. And this slide also reminds me of the hundred of professional people who have come and gone out of Katie's life, hundreds of them. Once they're no longer paid to be there, they have typically gone, June. So we, we spent our time in central Auckland, and then when Katie was about six, we moved to east Auckland. And prior to that, she went to a local daycare centre, her local kindy, her local primary school, and then we moved to east Auckland, and we had to go around and find a school that would take Katie. I mean, even though she was legally able to be enrolled, most schools didn't want her. Most of them pointed us in the direction of special education. And it was only persistent parent advocacy that supported Katie to continue her education at the local primary school, where she did most of her learning. 
And then in New Zealand, she moved on to an intermediate school, uh, and then she made an unplanned exit from uh, intermediate school, which left me with a near broken heart because it was a choice then when Katie was around 12 of her either ending her formal education, which is a sad indictment on our system, or carrying on in the special school system, which at least welcomed her and us. By then, I'd acquired a previous reputation as a parent advocate, although curiously, professionals who I've met up with years later and whose names I don't remember actually speak quite respectfully of those, uh, of those times. Interesting. And Kate stayed at special school until she didn't. I was working in the sector at that time, going around uh, offering workshops on planning for the future and how important it was to have a vision. And over the late, <laughs> our 17-year-old daughter decided she wasn't going back to school anymore. And in the course of a week, she went from five to four to three to two to one to zero, no more school. And she just refused to go. And then I found ourselves at home with no plans, very little vision, and a deeply distressed teenager. So that was an interesting period in our lives. When she finally left that school, she donated the Katie Robertson Art Award Cup to the most up-and-coming artist. For any of you thinking of doing art out there, think that through because we've found ourselves over the last 17 years being invited back to the end of your ceremonies to, to present that cup. And Katie has declined that opportunity for 17 years in a row. So, um, look, I acknowledge the education system's improving all the time, but Katie is one of the most poorly educated women in New Zealand amongst a group of women who were educated post-deinstitutionalisation leading into the early 2000s. But despite that, we kept our eye on what was possible and alert to opportunities. And I can only imagine what life was like for her because she could not tell us. And at times she was a deeply unhappy, distressed person. And I just want to acknowledge Katie's courage during that time. Yeah, I think I can acknowledge a lot of our family members' courage and resilience, actually, with what they've got to put up with. So, so I'm just wondering, you've mentioned um, before to me around thinking in an ordinary way. So can you just sort of explain what you mean by that and how you go about getting the good life for Katie? But it's not rocket science. It's just ordinary life it's the life paths that we all choose for ourselves what i would encourage people to do is really look at um another manifesto from the inclusive living network from our friends in ireland i think they've nailed it like i like word crafting but that really gets it right and and i just want to read it to you we believe our lives are better when we live in inclusive and diverse communities when every member of our community is using ordinary places in their own community and is known by others using the same places, that it's warm and welcoming, that each person's known by name for their own uniqueness and for all the kinds of things that you do in your daily life and by how they contribute. Um, and what you 
stand for that you won't let happen. Like we will not tolerate exclusion and we do celebrate the different diversities of each person. So what we did was really proactively support strong connections with friends and family and community. And I tell you, Jan, that was not easy because when you look at this photo and Katie is there in video easy, probably choosing her 112th video of the Simpsons third series or the Adams family, of which she has multiple copies and many others, just her being there is some of the miracle. Because when she decided she didn't want to be at school anymore, she actually came home and chose not to leave the house for another five years. So that photo is of Katie deciding overnight that she would, for whatever reason, I knew one day she'd leave the house, but I didn't know when or how. And all we kept doing was creating opportunities all the time for her to make that choice. For July when she felt safe and she could make the choice to go out again. And I think to how do how do we stay on track? How do we just not give up and alter our vision? Uh, and I think it's because of the connections that I've made. Look, I've been so lucky to have met and been influenced by world leaders and homegrown thinkers. Lucky enough to have um, met Wolf Wolfensberger. Very lucky to have met your very own John Armstrong, Janet Cleves, who I know has presented on this, Margie Ward, Lorna Sullivan in New Zealand. And what we hung our hat on, our journey on, was actually knowing what our family values were. And we embraced the principles of social role valorization. Big long word I know, but I've simplified that into an elevator speech, which is, what are other people of a similar age and culture doing? Because it's all about having roles that are valued, being in relationship with others, and knowing what active citizenship looked like. So we are thinking in our decision on that. And then the world of technology came about. Yeah, so that wouldn't have been around so much, I can imagine, when she was younger. Has it helped her much nowadays? Is she really engaging with technology now? Is it helping? Well, <laughs> well, yes. Um, it has its own journey. Look, I have to say that Facebook's now a friend to Katie. She will take photos of photos online. So, as I said, she tossed her first computer across the table and she rejected computers for a very long time afterwards because they sniffed at school. Um, but we persevered and Neil would come round to Kate's house every weekend and sit down and we talk out loud. We just do what we do, ordinary stuff, bring our laptops round, we sit down, we talk out loud. Sometimes it can take a couple of years. You think this might not be going anywhere. And then one day, the connection on the computer broke, and I had to call our youngest son and say, help. He wrote down what to do to get us back online, a visual sequence, and Katie glanced at it. And as I said, it's that photographic memory because she's not reading every single word. It's just nanosecond glance, and there's been no stopping her. 
And Facebook has given us a window into what Katie's been thinking about. So it's this, and it's and it can be a bit scary. She has 41 friends. We know 35 of them, and six are a mystery. She's been accepted as a member of the Fish and Hunt Forum New Zealand. Seriously? Then listen to this, Australia. She has told the world that she used to work for Asperger Services Australia. Well, there you go. She's also she, not. She's told the world that, she, that she's a great fan of libraries and she knows where they are around New Zealand. She loves uh, many suburb Auckland. Uh, she loves getting mail. She loves getting the neighbours mail. Um, she loves watching TV and DVDs and walking in the garden. She likes New Zealand hospitals and she's made a list of where these are. She loves Maori culture and kapahaka and poi. Um, who knows why? She loves the European juggling convention um, and she loves photography. So she gets a camera for her birthday every year. And Jan, you just can't have too many digital cameras, okay? <laughs> and then as I said, she takes photos of photos online. Um, uh, and we actually think there's a job for her in the Secret Service because she can actually use Google Earth to get down streets and inside backyards and then she takes photos of photos or she takes photos of photos of people who post on Facebook, be warned. Um <laughs> But she would never tell. She's very discreet. She wouldn't tell anyone. Put it off. She knows. Yeah, no. I think there's a job for her there. But you sort of um, was saying that you've described Katie as a persistent communicator, but I also know that she doesn't have a lot of spoken language. So can you describe what you mean by that? Mm. Well, I, I realise I haven't really answered your question yet about Katie living in her own home and that story will come. I just wanted to paint a picture because Katie is a woman of few words who actually has a great deal to say for herself. So she does live with a profound language and social communication disorder and she uses every means at her disposal to communicate with a few spoken words she has an amazing reading vocab that she learned from Marketon Signs and Symbols. Uh, she can write some things down. I think the best things we ever taught her were days of the week, months, numbers, colours, really simple emotions, hot, cold, sick, gone, yes and no. And she also uses communication in context. And I'm a really passionate believer in creating, I mean, she spent hours and hours and hours in language therapy trying to produce sound. But in fact, um, when we've created environments with support communication that have given Katie choice and control and opportunity to show how capable and competent she is, then she is continually just surprising us with how much she knows. Because she's now living in a world, Jan, that actually there's some serious challenges in this modern world because it's so reliant on communication and social exchange. I just want to take a moment here to talk to the parent advocates in the room, make a pitch for them. Because in this world at the moment of self-advocates, I also want to say that your parent voice is really important 
in enabling and supporting your family member to make their choices and decisions, however they express their will and, and preference. And I would say to you, don't ever, ever give up. Be incredibly patient and be kind. And I would also say, be discontented. Someone told me, sir, you're allowed to be perpetually discontented because over being in the status has the, um, has the capacity to raise standards. Well, yeah, I quite like that. And the other thing is know what your values are and what the key principles are that guide you and set up the conditions for success and be alert for the unexpected opportunities. And I just want to finish this section by saying, look, there's a Persian quote that says, go wake up your luck. We haven't left luck to chance. When you have spent years putting down the foundations in place to build a good life, not just for Katie, but for all of us. And that's involved having that strong vision, having a financial plan, and having a legal lens over all of that. So um, one of those opportunities was when I first met you. And yes, it was. And I remember that. And it's it's embedded in my brain back in when I came over on a, an exchange and uh, met you for the first time and met Katie for the first time. And after that story before, we were saying how she really, you know, assesses whether people are good or not. I'm, I'm grateful to know that I wasn't kicked out when I came to visit Katie <laughs> back in 2012. But yeah, like that was um, an amazing experience for me to, to meet Katie, knowing she hadn't left the house for, was it? Three or five years, did you say? About five years by then. Yeah. So that was yeah. pretty daunting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think um, because she hadn't, Jan, that then presented the challenge to us to say, well, look, how do we, you think inside out. So Katie wasn't going to go out to the world. How do we bring the world into Katie? Still based on roles and relationships. And so Katie's art's always been pivotal to bringing people into her life. So that cocktail evening uh, took me way out of my comfort zone. And um, Katie hosted a few more art shows after that. We called them Artist in Residence. And so uh, she knew that if people came to her door to look into her art, she knew how to host them through the rooms. And um, we built on that over the years. If we need electricians in or we need plumbers in or um, uh, more recently real estate agents in, they actually all get a tour of her art gallery throughout her house before they're allowed to attend to actually what they've really come to do. So it's worked for us. And we turned that art into wearable teams. So Katie had a wonderful butterfly painting, which we turned into wearable butterfly tees. Katie had a whole rack of wearable tees for a week on sale with a, you know, pretty classy dress shop here in our local village. Uh, and Katie's tees have been worn all around the world by various people who've worn them. She didn't discriminate on size, so they were of all sizes, including a, a very a masculine T-shirt with a little butterfly on the back that looked a bit like a tattoo. They went really quite well. And then we talked about Katie's business because 
Katie is an influencer. And Katie has influenced many other people to start up their own businesses. I don't think that's too bad for a woman who doesn't have many words to She's also been a fabulous neighbour uh, to many people. And I'm just keeping an eye on the time. But I have to say, um, look, up to lockdown, she was looking after 32 neighbours by taking their rubbish bins and recycle bins out on collection day. That's 72 bins. Most of the neighbours over those years have been grateful. Some weren't. Uh, some got together in driveways and sorted out their differences of opinion because Katie was going onto their property uninvited. Um, and some thought that she was incredibly generous. What I learned from that was that actually I don't have to negotiate everything. Katie has learned to navigate how to be a good neighbour on her terms. And our other neighbours have taken care of their own business, which has been really interesting. So, Jan, the cocktail evening. Can I just say I wish um, Katie was my neighbour because we would love her to come put our bins out. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, with the cocktail evening, was she living in her own home then or and where were you living then? We were living here. So what happened was essentially that Neil and I had run away from the family home with our youngest son. Katie was about 21, and really it was time for us to, gosh, life has to keep moving forward. So we ran away from home uh, to a house just around the corner. And as Margie Ward put it, I still love this, within two minutes pyjama driving distance of the family home um, because if we needed to get back to Kate, we had to real quick. And we left Katie living behind in the family home with her older sister. And her older sister had a friend who needed somewhere to live. So for a while, three women were living together and renting our family home. So that worked really well for a while. And that lass was an Australian as well. Katie got on better with her sister's friend than she did with the sister, by the way. But anyway, that's where they lived. And how that worked was we leveraged a mortgage, a second mortgage of our family home property and I stayed working and paid half the mortgage and the rent that Katie paid and the flatmates paid, paid the other half of the mortgage. Neil and I uh, worked to pay all Katie's additional living expenses, which were on top of her, the, the government um, contribution. And Neil paid the mortgage on our other property. And I have to say to people living out there, we're not wealthy. We were pretty ordinary. I'm not saying that this is for everybody, but it was a decision that we made to do at the time. And Katie wasn't eligible for individualized funding at the time because there were lots of rules about it. It's since changed and we now pay all her staff using individualized funding. But at the time, we got a provider in. And the other thing that occurred that I must mention is that Neil and I were not on the same page. I could see the opportunities that sat there with personalised, flexible funding. Neil was worried about the time when we wouldn't be around and how could we sustain those arrangements. And it wasn't till there was a fire at the property. Katie was fully supported regardless 
And there was a fire at the property because she was not supervised at the time. And Neil realised that actually Katie was no safer being supported by a service than she was if we had employed our own people. And that liberated our decision to move forward to individualised funding, which happily had changed its rules at the time. So Kate's never been late in paying her rent. Really, really good. And she employs project managers who are charged with personal care support. So she accepts people coming and going when she's a measure of control over what they're there for or when they're going to leave. Um, their job is to support her to be a good neighbour, uh, to support her to stay in contact with family and friend, to support her to have more things to look forward to, and to bring people into her life. And so, uh, you know, things change. More recently, or last year, before lockdown, we were starting to move to her next small business, which, love this, Urban Chic, Urban Chick, because Katie loves eating eggs. So you've got to think of businesses that are authentic for someone. Katie loves eating eggs. What could we do with that? Hmm. If she grew eggs in a small coop with three chickens, then she could give those eggs to her neighbours along with some parsley that she could grow in her veggie garden. And so we were starting to move towards that when COVID came along. We never got as far as getting the chookies. And the other thing we did when Katie was living in her own home was we had one simple rule. We needed government funding to support Katie to live in her own home, but we also try and keep government and service footprint to the very lightest of touches. And so that's how we've always operated. I think that with hindsight, if Katie didn't have what what was called a, a fairly strong, insistent personality that was written in her diagnostic measure, then we think she would have spent her life surrounded by nothing wrong if this is your choice, right? But we think she would have spent her life surrounded by disabled people, being educated in the special and living her life in a safe, special world not like us. And Neil and I would be retired, sunning ourselves somewhere exhausted, looking reasonably well off, actually, and looking much younger than we do. And I have to say at times that option looked really attractive. Um, and I also have to say we're financially comfortable because we had a financial plan for this, and we should be after eight collective years of the workforce paying our taxes. Um, And one of the biggest challenges about telling Katie's story is the pushback from other parents who say, Sue, Robertson, you're white, you're well-educated, you know the system, you're wealthy. (laughs) Katie is so much better or so much less impaired, you know, than my child. And that's why my story won't even look like Katie's story. And I have to say in my head, I used to say bollocks. And I'd launch into, you know, the story about how we held two mortgages. We didn't have a life. We heavily subsidized Katie's living expenses. And we spent every second year with Katie providing supports for her. But I'm actually old. I'm feeling a bit old and a bit tired now. And um, I'm a little bit less tolerant as I hone towards retirement. So I tend to use my energy wisely. So I'm not here to tell anyone what they should do. It's up to you. 
all I can do is share our story and seek to influence. And for all of Katie's life, I've said we can never die. We had serious work to do to secure Katie's future. And I come back to vision. And and as the saying goes, you've got to know where you're going. Otherwise, how will you know if you've got there? And I think another wise soul, I think it was Lorna said to us, don't wait for the government to bring you the good life. You have got to do the thinking. You have got to make the plans and make the first moves. So this is Norsham Street, and that's the bins. And if you were to measure the distance between each of the bins, I think you might find them exquisitely the same. I love the symmetry, the the positive attributes that autism brings. I love that symmetry of the bins going up 80th Street. And we probably are running a bit short on time, Sue, but something I'd really love you to sort of talk about is just, I know before Katie lived by herself, the system thought she needed two people to support her. Yeah. Yeah. And then the connection. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, the connection with the neighbours, because Kate sold her own home. So, oh, that's how I'll finish. Yeah, sure. So um, all those years ago, um, we bought the house and it was moving day. And I can clearly remember backing down the driveway, bawling my eyes out, howling my eyes out, going round to our house and then driving back the next morning. And for my sins, we were also being filmed for um, a TV program. Don't know why. I said yes to that, drove back up the driveway the next morning, knocked on the door because it was no longer our house. It was Katie's house, waited to be let in, and then went and sat down with the support person and said, oh, well, how was Kate's first moment? Well, Madam Robertson had got herself out of bed, had a shower, got herself dressed, organised a breakfast, and I'm on national television squawking, what do you mean? Go to breakfast. She's never, she's never eaten breakfast in her life. And um, <laughs> I think that's just an example, Jan, of um, what happens when you leave those spaces. Because Katie was someone who was described, and we used those words too. Katie's the one who needed two to one support, twenty four hours a day. And when she wasn't funded for that, what we learned was to manage those times. And so even today, she spends time on her own. We structured it so that when staff come, there is a half-hour gap between when they leave and when they come. So Katie's on her own for half-hour periods during the day. That's our safeguarding arrangement. And so we, we keep testing uh, leaving her for longer periods where no one is in the house. And it is during those times when she has demonstrated how competent and capable she is. So she now preps all her own dinner, just about had a heart attack one day. Clearly she can use the microwave. Um, during COVID, she has demonstrated that she can cut her own hair. I would describe it at the moment as pixie and asymmetrical, um, her fourth COVID self-cut hairstyle. And we are now living with her. We've been now back living with her for 10 weeks. And if I can finish with this, I thought our aim was to make Katie 
happy. I can define what happiness is. Happiness is because Katie feels competent. She knows that she is absolutely contributing to the running of the house. She does all our washing. She preps her own dinner. She vacuums the house. Um, she's so keen on washing. Sometimes we've been left with no clothes to wear because they're all in the washing machine. Um, it's competency. Katie feeling competent and knowing she's contributed equals happiness. And that's been illuminating during this lockdown. Yeah, that's awesome. Katie's now been living, is it 13 years in her, in her own home? 14 in her own home and we're about to move. So we have now bought our retirement home and we are building a home for Katie and her older sister down in Matamata, which is a, a little town in the central uh, North Island. Uh, that's the view from Katie's window. So um, the slide in the right-hand corner will be Katie's office where she can see people coming and going. And Katie has sold it her own our own family home because she has a great relationship with the neighbor next door george and susan are a korean couple and susan doesn't have uh, a lot of english to speak with and katie has barely any language to speak with apparently they have great chats over the back fence and susan has made an offer on the family home because she loves katie it's a cash offer uh, we don't have to move out till the house is ready for Katie to move into because she just wants Katie to be happy. And it's just an extraordinary relationship that I had no hand in. I had no hand in developing. Katie's done this all on her own by being a good neighbor and looking out for other people. Who would have thought? that she's negotiated a real estate deal. You've been listening to Imagine More Podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And go to imaginemore.org.au for more great content.